fucks up everything. The Blues played in El Clasico, El Winter Clasico, against FC Minnesota at Target Field over the weekend, and it was a happening. If you see 40 guys in fancy sweaters playing hockey in sub-zero temperatures, you watch that. Yes, you do. You watch that. Jordan Kyrou set records for points. The entire team set records for swag, and good vibes were had all around. Until Sidney Crosby ruined it. That's all ahead, so let's get started, and let's go Blues. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to the Two Guys, One Cup podcast. It is Thursday, January 6th, and we are coming to you from two places in different places in, in the continent, in the American subcontinent. Is it a subcontinent, Ian? What, what qualifies as a subcontinent? Uh, you know, that's a great question. Uh, I know, like, India is a subcontinent, but I believe yeah. that's because it was like, it, it's on a different plate. It, right. like, rammed into Asia. I think, I think we're a regular... <laughs> We're, regular we're just a continent. regular continent. We're like we one of the, get, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not a subway continent. All right. I mean, we are the, <laughs> we are the subway continent, baby. You can find them anywhere. <laughs> Be fresh. That's right. Sponsored uh, by Subway. You want, you want to say anything about our sponsor Subway tonight? I would just like to say, um, you know, keep doing your thing. I got to say, Subway probably gets a little, a little too much heat. They're not, I'm never like, oh, I got to have Subway right now. But I've also never had Subway and been like, that was terrible, you know? Uh, what a what a sponsor what a sponsorship read. <laughs> Subway you know for when you for they when you want to settle. <laughs> oh boy, yes, yeah, they're uh, they're they're proud sponsors of the show from 2022 to 2022. Happy the, New Year! Yeah, Happy New Year, everybody. How's it going out there? What are your New Year's resolutions? Apparently, nobody has any, and they're not telling us. Yeah, I mean, really, in 2022, it's really just like get back to those precedented times. I'm, I'm oh, just hoping yes. for precedented times, baby. <laughs> no precedented. Oh, give me some precedent all day, every day in this, these times. Uh, you know, I'm here in Jacksonville this week on the on the beach in a hotel. You know, trying trying to live my best life now. Mm-hmm. Um, really struggling through it. I got to tell you, this is funny, and it's going to be a. a uh, pat myself on the back back store and i don't even really care because oh, those are the paying, best kind i'm not paying for the hotel room i can't afford this all right so that let's get yeah. that out of the way <laughs> that subway money with. baby yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but i came down uh to jacksonville i drove down um because i'm crazy and i decided to drive down i, I started my trip down on sunday um, and I thought, you know, I'll try to get to somewhere in Tennessee, preferably Chattanooga, but maybe like Murfreesboro, um, because that's fun to say. And mm-hmm. just, you know, only have like an eight hour drive on Monday instead of the crazy like 13 hour thing. So when I crossed the border into Tennessee, I decided, OK, I'll finally like I'll decide I'll commit to pushing through to Chattanooga and I'll get my hotel room booked right now. And so I did. What I did not know is that literally like 10 minutes past me on the highway, the entire rest of the state was in a winter storm morning. Mm. And so I started like, 
you, you know how you ever see a like a street sign when like the cover's been or the corner's been like blasted by snow, mm. you know, because it's like whipping past it. And I started seeing that before I started seeing snowflakes, and I was like, uh-oh, that doesn't seem like just a snowflake or two. That seems mm-hmm. like a problem. And so I get into this and I pull up the radar, and it is literally everything between me and Chattanooga is just the like blue, you know, the the snow blue. Yeah. And so I'm just like, oh shit. So <laughs> I was gonna like I tried to go through it and I got to nashville and like because it's a city it kind of was a little calmer around nashville you know um but when i got to the east side of nashville and was in the suburbs it was just like it was clear that there's no way i was making it two more hours to get to chattanooga up and down the mountain you know ranges around there so i pulled off and i got this hotel room and fortunately the chattanooga place was kind enough to cancel but the thing all of this was to say that I couldn't sleep at all in the hotel room because and I don't know how hotel rooms get away with this. You couldn't really control the temperature. Like the thermostat was one of those. Really? Like if, I've seen this a lot more recently where they're like, okay, but you can't turn it to cool. Cause this is hot times. And I'm like, okay, but I want it cooler in here. And I want the fan on, you know, what I really want is I want the fan on for the white noise, you know? So you can yeah. just turn, turn on fan instead of auto fan or whatever. And it just runs for you and that's i should be able to do that i'm paying 100 bucks for this hotel room right <laughs> but i couldn't and so like because i apparently really need white noise to sleep um i couldn't do that um so i basically couldn't sleep that night so i drove down here uh groggy as hell on monday and i get here and they uh, had put me up in this hotel, which is not where I'm usually at. It's farther out, but it's also, like I said, right on the beach. So I'm not complaining, but I'm complaining <laughs> a little bit because, you know, first world problems. But yeah. they could have put me on the beach closer to the office. <laughs> um, but in any case, uh, they upgraded me because one the only rooms they had instead of a king, the only rooms they had that like I wouldn't have to like move during the length of my stay were queens that were oceanfront. So instead of using a room fan to uh, have white noise when I sleep now, I just literally open the patio door and have the actual ocean beam. And it's, uh, it's pretty dope. It's like, uh, you know, those white noise machines already had like rushing waves and stuff for, for one of their settings. And now I've got the real deal. So I just hope one of those like, uh, you know, ocean storms doesn't whip in one of these nights and drown me, but it's been pretty cool. But, you know, that's enough about me and, and my luxurious lifestyle in the new have, year. Have you ever heard of pink noise? Uh, no. Or is brown like, noise? Uh, brown noise get, doesn't sound good. Is that but... like, get this party started? That's pink noise. I think it's just like a different frequency. I think white noise literally like exists within a frequency. Uh-huh. And so I found something the other day online um, where it was like 12, it's 12 hours on YouTube of just one noise and it's, and it's pink noise and brown noise and white noise together. And supposedly that's supposed to be very pleasing. And I put it on really low and I'm like, it kind of sounds like rain mixed with like a constant ocean wave mixed with like just a fan, but like all it's sort of like, you know, just going at once. Mm-hmm. That sounds, that sounds like it would be bad, but I put it on kind of low and I was working and I was like, man, this is kind of weird. I feel like real focus because it's just like this, just kind of ambient noise uh-huh. in my ear at like uh-huh. a very low level. Anyways, it was very, it's very interesting. It's crazy how that stuff like 
plays such a big role in your head. Our minds are very fragile. You know? mm-hmm. I'm, I'm always be, teetering on the edge. I can't be left alone with my thoughts. I got to have some white noise to drown that out, baby. That's uh, how I get to sleep. <laughs> yeah, if I got to go to sleep and there's like other stuff going on just not, in my head, no, no dice. Not a chance, never happening. Um, so today's going to be a little bit different because uh, we were all teed up and excited to talk about the Winter Classic and then... Uh, you know, we got effed over last night. We didn't. We'll talk about it. But it's fine, but it's not. Instead of doing our usual chronological podcast, uh, we're actually going to start with the Penguins game so we can do all our yelling and angry stuff about that. And then we'll go back in time. We'll talk about Army's best trades because of a tweet I saw. And <laughs> we'll go into the Winter <laughs> Classic stuff. Um, and we'll do it that way. So if that upsets your 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 chi this early in the year, I'm I'm very sorry if I've if I've thrown off your chakras. Please forgive us. But that's how we're going to do it this time. So uh, we're talk about our favorite. About that. Yeah, we're yeah. Gonna talk about your favorite chakra. Uh, so we're talking about our favorite killer avians because of a bird I saw. Earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I did walk past the trash can here the other day, and it just had like two straight up vultures sitting in it, and I was like, "This seems foreboding. <laughs> this is ungood." You'll be um, here next. <laughs> uh, you want to kick us off with the Pittsburgh game since you took all these notes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's Pittsburgh. It was yesterday. It was Wednesday night. I was feeling pretty amped up because. Like we were talking about, it was we were just coming off the heels of the Winter Classic, uh, heels being very, um, I don't know, stretching that word a little bit because that happened on a on a on Sunday uh, or on Saturday even, and this was on Wednesday. I, I just that hated was, that it took so long in between these games. Is like the Winter Classic strap. was awesome, and yeah. yeah, we had to wait this long for another game. But <clears throat> all that waiting was uh, for good reason because it allowed Braden Chen to heal up a little bit. And all our forwards are here. The first fully healthy forward core since November, I believe it was tweeted out. We had a lineup of Sad O'Reilly, Bushnevich, uh, and not Bushnevich, Sad O'Reilly, Perron, Kairu Thomas, Tarasenko, Bushnevich, Barbashev, Shen, and Brown, Bozak, Sunquist. Um, and then I think we're still missing a few people from Brown the defensive lineups. Brown, pink, and white. Yeah. There's like an Ian White, yeah. I don't think anyone has a last name of pink, though. No, except for pink. All the yeah, others well, got the exclamation point in it, so I don't know if that counts. And they put that on a jersey. Yeah. It's like an umlaut. Um, I'm going to go to Elite Prospects and look for pink right now and see if there's somebody we can Maybe like a Pinkerton? Yeah. Or like a Pinkinski <laughs> or something? There's the Testville Pink Panthers and the Pinkerton Academy. There was Richard Pinka, Jessica Pinkerton, Daryl Pinkson, Rick Pinkston, but no straight oh, up yeah. pink. They're pretty close, though. And, I gotta say, and, and also Hans Peter Widmer, who somehow snuck on here. But you know. <laughs> was that like that was a player? Uh, that was a coach. Oh, okay, that, that's right. That's right. That sounds like a coach. Um, a Pisco Pink and a Spink. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a Sam Pink! Hey, look at that! A real pink. If only and, he had played uh, in this yeah. game or when Ian White was playing. That's right. Really <laughs> I'm sure there's other. Departure. I'm sure there's other people last name White. When there's like four other Browns in the league currently. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll get there. We'll get there someday. 
Yeah, and then our, let's say our, our defensive pairings were Mikola Pareko, which uh, we, we can talk about later. Woof. Krug, Falk, and Skandela Prunovic. Um, I don't know if Wallman's still hurt. I know he's on COVID protocol today. Uh, and I know Bortuzzo is supposed to be back sometime hey, soon that, as well. That full healthy roster was fun while it lasts. <laughs> yeah, right. It got us a loss. Yeah. Um, Bennington and that. First period, uh, this game had a playoff feel, say the people on social media. Everyone, that's yeah. that's the term of, of Twitter for the yeah. first 20 minutes. Playoff feel. That's um, never our expectations putting projecting onto the game because mm-hmm. it's two good teams playing tight hockey. You know, it's because it's actually a playoff matchup. So <laughs> this is they are one oh on us in the series. <laughs> that's right. Um, if if we face them in the Stanley Cup, this game counts. So they start. They start you know. <laughs> that's how. That's how they're gonna like shorten. Um, that's how they're gonna make up when they had to reschedule all this. All these games. If they're like, <laughs> okay, well, now whatever series you had to play, your regular season results matter. So good, good luck. Yeah, you know what? Against- Might as well. Yeah. <laughs> Just good do luck it. going in against the Wild and three to nothing up, three to nothing. So. <laughs> I say uh, it was it was a fun and fast period, uh, and saw Bennington stand on his head as the Blues were outshot fourteen to seven. Bennington did look very sharp uh, in this period. The Blues had had a, a few chances, a few chances that looked pretty good, but uh, DeSmith looked pretty good as well. Uh, I I think when the Penguins and the Blues have played to get you know against each other in the past, I feel like this matchup is always really tight. I feel like this mm-hmm. that playoff feel is always used. So it would be interesting to see them. Uh, in a Stanley Cup final, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say no to that. Second period starts. Braden Shen scores his fifth goal of the season. Twenty seconds in on the power play. Bongo, bongo, bongo. Shen has left the Congo and he's entered the score sheet. Uh, that, is, that is where he was uh, recuperating. Yeah, he was in the Congo. the Congo. Strange, I know, but that's what he chose. So <laughs> we don't begrudge uh, Braden Shen for his decisions. Yeah, that's right. It's a great goal assisted by crew. I didn't have many notes on this because I was just so damn excited. I was like, good job, Braden. Uh, I felt kind of bad that he had to miss the winter classic. I know he had uh, some comment earlier about how he was trying to push himself. He really wanted to, I think even Bruby was like, it's his decision. And it really sucks that he decided not to, I'm sure it was for a good reason. Tree was still didn't feel like he was quite there, but it does stink when you got to miss, miss something like that. Although I think he's been in like, two or three other ones anyways. So at least he hasn't not played an outdoor game before. Eight minutes later, Jordan Kyer scores his 13th goal of the season, assisted by Tarasenko and Falk. Uh, I think it's death taxes and Jordan Kyer scoring goals at this point. Like, it's just, it's an mm. automatic. You start the game 1-0. Shades of Kyer to Shen, or shades of uh, Tarasenko to Shen, excuse me, in game seven of the Stanley Cup final on this one. Tarasenko has the puck along the boards in the Penguin zone. Vova sees Kairu skating in behind him, hits him with a pass. Kairu is all alone because Latang has a brain fart and a leg fart and does, I don't know what he does. He just kind of like goes down real early. I don't know if he just thought Kairu was going to shoot it like immediately. I think that's what it was. I think he was like, I'm blocking the shot. And then Kairu took like one more stride. And then Latang was like, ah, shit. <laughs> and uh, Kairu is <laughs> over the yeah, that sucks. No, he's you know he's pretty good. He's he's really good in NHL 22. His score is way up there for being like a 33 year old, 34 year old. <laughs> uh, I need to get him. 
So the Blues are up 2-0. I did think that they were a little fortunate to be up. They they had a much better second period than they did third. They looked better in the second. But even to start this period, they were still being outshot. And it just felt like, all right, 2-0. Maybe the momentum kind of turns our way. Unfortunately, um, Brian Russ scores his sixth of the season on a four-on-three power play for the Pens. Rodriguez passes the puck to Russ right in front of the net. Russ backhands the puck on net. But Bennington makes a save. Puck flies up into the air, and with a great hand-eye coordination, Russ swats the puck out of the air over Bennington's shoulder and into the net. Uh, was, I would call it a fluky goal just because what are you going to do kind of as Bennington when it's way up there and he, he manages or Russ manages to like pick the little corner uh, over the top of his shoulder, but also, uh, I don't know, Scandell kind of weird in this one. <laughs> it's four and three power play. I can't really – I can't hang him out to dry too much, but uh, Brian Rust, a uh, good player, good player. Yeah, he's pretty solid. I don't like it because he beat us, but he's pretty good. He's like a better Connor Sheary. He didn't um, get the hat trick, though, so he's kind of a bum, too. Oh, my God. He had a five-point night uh, a couple days ago, and uh-huh. I had not really been paying attention to fantasy teams recently because of all the postponements and everything, and yeah, I had him fun. on the bench. I was like, sick. Nice. Freaking hat trick and two assists. Nice. I didn't have him on you the bench can always, last night. You can always assume if you hear about a player that went off that he's on your bench. It's oh like a guarantee. I definitely missed. I missed something like that. Yeah, a couple of seasons back too. And I was like, well, that's why I don't win these Time leagues. To pack them in. Yep. <laughs> I am folding this team. Uh, <laughs> 40, not even 40, 19 seconds later, Colton Pareko scores his fourth goal of the season. Uh, Prunovich enters the pen zone, drops the puck back to Shen. Shen twirls around in front of his defender and passes the puck backwards to Pareko. Pareko takes a few strides, shoots the puck past Jari, uh, past the Smith in this case, because the Smith is pulled and Jari enters the game. And I was thinking, man, all right, we're up 3-1. They're pulling their goalie. This is when they're going to try and swing the momentum. But I don't think the Blues are going to let up. They're most certainly going to try and put this one away. Uh, less than two minutes later, Brian Rust scores his second goal of the game. Uh, he's hot, 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 that Brian Rust. Crosby enters the Blues zone on the left. He passes the puck through three Blues players to Rust. Uh, pick your poison. Which one of them should have their stick on the ice? Any of them, all of them, uh, <laughs> any combination of the three. Uh, Rust shoots the puck over the glove of Bennington, and now it is a 3-2 game. So if we can rewind a bit. Yeah, I th- I really think, and I, last night I got to go on with the uh, Let's Go Blues Radio boys and just rant about this game a little bit in their Discord server after. Rant. And I really think this game was kind of lost in that exchange with the Crosby-Mikola fight dust-up thing that happened before the Rust goal. Yeah, um, I was like, that's... Because yeah, it was like 12-20 of the second period. I think as soon so Crosby slashed Mikola twice and cross-checked him twice before Mikola did anything. And then Mikola got physical with Crosby because he just had four different stick infractions committed against him. And Crosby, you know, being Crosby, didn't actually fight back with his hands because, you know, he's a little bitch. Um, (laughs) And then the referees sent both of them to the box because you can't, obviously just send Sidney Crosby to the penalty box. And then um, on top of that, uh, they got booed for sending Crosby at all and loudly booed. That place went ballistic. Mm. And I think that's when they kind of lost 
control of the game because then that call was it on Krug right after that the cross check or the hook or whatever um, whatever it was that came right after that was like a queer makeup like apology call for boxing um, Crosby in the first place it was a weak call they got a goal almost immediately on the power play for it um, and then even though Pareko scores again there that now the now the penguins are humming and they've got Matt Crosby mad and they've got you know motivation and and they're just coming like a house of fire and then even throughout the rest of the game as we'll talk about in a little bit the officiating is still pretty slanted towards the penguins and i don't usually be like being the guy who's like it was the officials fault and i don't think it was i think we were actually outplayed on the whole in this game but the officials certainly didn't seem to um, call things very evenly and uh, i think it all kind of started right there yeah it's like i believe they had six power plays to our mm. like one um that we scored on right away um yeah, it's like the when you have Crosby, and I know he's a, he's a competitor, and he's he's never out of any game really, right? But like when you're on top and you get him riled up, then that's when you know. I mean, I, you you could try and get in his head, but he's such a competitor that things are, might start to head south for you. It's the same thing yeah. with like Gensel, I think, or Gensel. The same thing with uh, McDavid and Drysaddle. Like I remember a couple <laughs> months ago when we played the Oilers, and it was like, well, we held them off the score sheet for the whole first period. Oh, McDavid scores right at the end of the first. Okay. Now they smell blood and then, and then they just take off. Um, But yeah, I give Mikula credit for basically completely not giving a crap who Sidney Crosby is and, and decking him in the face. Um, I I like to see that. I like, I think it's even more Crosby's nose. Yeah. Right. I think it's even more potent when it's like a, a younger player and maybe even like a foreign player, you know, like I'm not from Canada. I'm just like some young Finnish dude. I don't give a shit that you're Sidney Crosby. Um, yeah. And then also Mikola, like, I don't know what the whole fracas was about because Mikola is essentially like standing his ground and Crosby like ran into him. And because Crosby was the one that kind of came away, shooken up rather than Mikola, he was like pissed that he basically stopped him in his tracks. He's like, how, how dare you get in my way? And then they and then they started sort of slashing and fighting each other. I was like, this is uh, this is what I I kind of see what people are talking about on the on the East Coast there. Maybe not so much anymore, but you know, four or five, six years ago when it was like, man, crime baby Crosby, just all the time, man. Just like gotta always whine for whine for everything. I like Sidney Crosby. Mm-hmm. That's not normally my take on him, but last night it was definitely uh, more prevalent. And yeah, then on it's top been, of uh, pretty bad. Yeah, I was gonna say on top of all this, you enter the third period, and that's where stuff gets uh, real interesting. So right off the top here, um, Mikla is shoved into Jari by Dumoulin. Uh, then Dumoulin gets angry that Mikla falls onto Jari, so Dumoulin shows Mikla some more. And good idea, Brian. So this happens i forget who else gets involved there's another penguin that gets involved and they're all shoving me and everything and i definitely thought it was gonna be like offsetting like miners for like roughing for all the all the junk afterwards and i think i was gonna go get a drink or something to eat or whatever and i came back and then i heard the crowd cheering and sometimes i'll be sometimes i just like forget if we're home or they're home or whatever in my brain and i was like oh okay maybe they got one I was like, wait, they sent Mikla to the box only? And they're like, yeah, it's for goaltender interference. Like, that's terrible. That's, like, it's so bad. He's not in the crease for one. And two, he's, like, has nowhere to go. I hate that. I hate that so much when it's, like, they basically shove you directly in the goalie. Not, like, 
shoved you and then you kind of fell over and you leaned in the goalie a bit and you fell sideways from the way that, you know, a different direction they shoved you and everything, but no, he shoved him directly into Jari. There was like, you're literally stuck between Dumoulin and Jari and Mikla's got nowhere to go. So he just falls over Jari. And it's not even that egregious. You know, if you fall on, fall on Jari and you like pin his leg or something weird like that, but no, they're like both fall at an angle where they're totally fine. And I, it's, it was already a bad call. And then it looks even worse because of what happens next, right? Because of everything that happens after this. Yeah. Um, do you know anything about this? Did you see, I think I was informing you or I was, it was news to you. And yeah, I, I somehow this missed happened. this and I don't know what exactly I was doing. I don't know if I was on a call with family or something, but yeah, I mean, to know that that happened and then what we're, I'm sure about to talk about happened. Yeah. Um, pretty yeah. rough. Pretty yeah. rough. <laughs> so yeah, so here we go. Sneak Crosby scores um, a goal. This is, this is quite a, bit of time later i think it's like 10 minutes later so um so not on the power play from that mikola goaltender interference but so Sidney crosby scores a goal 12 23 and a third uh gensel floats a puck on net from the point bennington who is standing in the crease reaches out with his glove to make the save uh, right as he is making the save crosby skates in front of bennington and makes contact with bennington's arm causing him to drop the puck to his right crosby collects the puck shoots it into the open net um bennington you know, gets up, protests immediately to the refs that he was interfered with. Ruby and co uh, challenged the goal for goaltender interference. Uh, the goal is upheld on the basis that Crosby was not in the crease when he made contact with Bennington and that it was like incidental or, you know, it wasn't intentional contact. Um, and the Blues are given a two-minute delay of game penalty for losing the challenge. So firstly, how do you feel about the fact that this was not called goaltender interference? Um. I I will choose to believe the experts like the guy they have on TNT when they say that because the part of Bennington that was made contact with was supposedly out of the crease. I mean, it was. His arm was. He wasn't, but his arm was. That doesn't constitute as goaltender interference. What I would say then, though, is why? Because if the, if the idea of goaltender interference is that a player can't materially prevent the goaltender for making a save. There's no question that in this case he did, mm-hmm. you know? So it's kind of one of those things where I like I, by the rule book, I guess it's the right call probably, but I don't know why the rule book says that. And it goes back to what we talk about, you know, it feels like two, three times a year. And I don't think we've done it yet this season. So, you know, maybe we've had a good run of luck, but um, this league has no idea what goalie interference is. It never has it. It, is the most inconsistent call ever on ever just at all anywhere. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of believe that they got it right, but I don't think I agree that that should be right. Yeah. I was when watching it, I remember thinking, are they going to challenge this? And then before they even brought the challenge down thinking after they showed a couple of the um, replays, I was like, I don't know that I would challenge this. I don't like it. It's annoying. Like it sucks, but I try and put myself in the shoes of like, if that's David Perron in front of, um, you know, Tristan Jari hitting him in the arm. And I'm like, you know, I don't know. It's, it's not, it's not intentional. He's going through the crease, like, or he's not going through the crease. He's not going through the crease. Um, Crosby just beat 
Mikola like mm-hmm. around him and like a battle. So like he's trying to get behind Mikola. He's going full speed just to like get away from Mikola. And it just so happens that that's when the puck shot. That's when Bennington puts his arm out. That's when he runs into it. Um, but like you said, if the if part of the rule is that you can't interfere with a goalie trying to make a save, um, then that's this is interfering with it. And this is also I get that Crosby's out of the crease, Bennington's in the crease. Crosby's hitting a piece of Bennington that's outside of the crease, but it's like Bennington's not a bunch of strides outside of, of the crease. Right. I think one of the big parts of the rule that I was reading today was like, basically if you make contact with the goalie and both of you are in the crease, whether it's intentional or accidental, it's, it's a, it's a goaltender interference. Like just because you were in the crease and you had touched the goalie and prevent him, prevent from making a save. Right. If you just kind of touch him barely at all. Not a big deal, but if you prevent them in some fashion, automatically goaltender interference. But if he is out of the crease, goalie's out of the crease, and you make accidental contact, and the goal is scored, not goalie interference. Mm-hmm. But if you make intentional contact, then it is. And so this is one of those things where I'm like, I guess his arm is out of the crease, yeah. and you're touching it, and you didn't mean to. They make a big deal, too, in all these um, rules or in all these goaltending interference rules and sub rules that the player had the attacking player has to make an effort to get out of the way which mm-hmm. i get like these refs aren't like literally sitting there and looking at the rule book but i'm always like eh, i don't think crosby made an, made an effort no. to get out of the way so you know maybe you know it's also um, not a situation where like bennington wasn't behind his net pointing a puck or like mm-hmm. diving into the slot to cover up a puck or something like he was he was in his crease yeah, yeah right top of his crease but he was in his crease and it just how happened that his arm was out of the crease you know right and it's it, like if, I, if you're telling me that if his arm's like six inches further back that's goalie interference then what it was should be goalie interference too you know right like i think for me um i can kind of see it both ways which i don't know if that means the rule is good or the rule is bad you know the yeah. way they've written the rule is good or bad but I can see it both ways. So I feel like whichever way it was called, I was like, okay, I guess that makes sense. It was just annoying that they had this sort of call that they had to figure out uh, when they had one earlier, that seemed so much more cut and dry as far as like, this is not goalie interference. Like, yeah, it is. And then they're like, okay, no, but on this one, you were on top of it, right? On this yeah. one, you knew, you knew exactly what was going on. Huh? Yeah. Um, but a bigger deal is, I think out of all this is the blues are given a two minute delay of game penalty for losing the challenge. I think this was introduced dumb. like dumb three or four years ago. Dumb, dumb, yeah. Dumb, dumb, dumb. <laughs> if you're only giving them one challenge bad. a game to begin with, what the hell are you afraid of? They're not going to waste it. They're not going to throw it away. And even if they do, even if they do like, you know, challenge the last consequential call in a like, use it or lose it situation review it for 30 seconds and call it you know but like it's so this is the thing i've never why sports want to have a penalty associated with challenging i have just never understood i don't get it get your calls right the system is designed to get the calls right the system is designed to give you transparency and let coaches you know instead of having a reason to go into the press box and criticize the referee, you know, I mean, granted, granted, Burby still did that, but, you know, instead of, instead of making the game all about a call that did or didn't get made, you give them the opportunity to say, Hey, I don't think that was right. And then you can go in and say, 
you know, either it was or it wasn't. You already prevent like all sorts of things that you can or can't challenge, which is silly, um, you know, to begin with. And then mm-hmm. on top of that, you're going to say, oh, but you got to really consider your challenge because if you're wrong, it's a penalty. And it's like, okay, but sometimes the rules vague and people need clarification. And one team's going to assume it's one thing and the other team's going to assume it's another thing. And they want the rest to take a second look at it. And since there's no mechanism in the NHL, you know, other than like egregious things that Toronto calls in for, there's no mechanism for just checking things out to be safe anyway, you know, in the NFL, they review every scoring play. So fine. Then you don't have to worry about those plays and the challenges are all on, you know, less consequential things. Mm -hmm. And uh, costing yourself a timeout is nowhere close to costing yourself a two minute minor in a critical spot. So I just think it's so dumb. And I think I talked about this last night too, but I think, you know, a a lot of guys were kind of criticizing Baruby for making the challenge and sort of listening to, listening to Bennington and, and backing him. And I think there's an argument for that, but I also think Baruby knows this game's kind of lost either way. If, if that goal stands, you know, I think the momentum had just shifted entirely against us and it doesn't really matter that we give them a penalty, you know, cause we don't show any life in the last 10 minutes of that period anyway. So I don't think we're going to win it. I guess the only, the only argument is maybe you hold out for overtime and get the point. Um, but you know, I don't like kind of thinking like that anyway. So I think he was just sort of desperation mode. Why not give it a shot, you know? And plus, plus you get to have Bennington's back one time. And then if, if there's another time where you don't have to, you can point back to this and be like, Hey, we did it. You know, we're not just ignoring (laughs) you, but this was um, our, this was the turning point. This This was going to be the turning point for somebody. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah. I think I agree. I think I've softened a little on that. Initially I was like, man, they, shouldn't have made this challenge. Then they, they threw, you know, they threw the game away because of course they're going to score on this power play because they've got all the momentum. But I think that's the whole point, right? It's like, mm-hmm. because they have all the momentum, like they have, they just have it regardless of whether that power play happens or not. Um, they it's like, they're feeding off it. You could just say the same thing about, Oh, well now they got the goal overturned, you know, it's three, two, but they had a goal. Now they're, you know, yeah. they're, they're feeling it and they're going to, they're going to push for that third one. I mean, how many times have you seen a goal get overturned in a close game in a quote unquote playoff uh, atmosphere type game. And that other team that gets it overturned is like going to will that goal back. And then, yeah. then it happens. Um, it just so happened that it happened on a power play uh, later. And then it was four, three uh brock mcginn scores later to make it five three my computer died while watching the game uh at this point mirroring my own feelings it was it was <laughs> you were great. dead inside your computer was dead you know i'll be honest when it died i think the last time that happened to me i the the blues were losing like two to one or something to the kings and it was like 30 seconds left and i was like, uh-huh. well, I'm not gonna go plug it back in i don't give a shit and then i think i saw in our group <laughs> oh, yeah, chat people were like oh back. my god it happened and i'm like what's god damn <laughs> <laughs> and then I, and then I got the charger and I put it I plugged it in to watch it and then I think we lost then we lost it every time yep for I sure. was like oh, good stuff guaranteed good stuff. um I mean post game stuff stats all kind of tell you exactly what you what you already know um penguins outshot the blues 41 to 29 faceoffs were in their favor 57 percent to 43 they were two for five on the power play blues were one for one uh, yeah, 22 penalty minutes for the Blues compared to the four for the Penguins. 
uh, you know, not, you know, it's, it's sometimes, sometimes teams take more penalties than the other team for sure. But true. I don't think I saw that many more. Uh, yeah. I didn't think there'd be that many more in this game. The uh, Penguins also get the better of the Corsi four at five on five with almost 60%. Um, they were over 60%, almost 70% um, in the third period alone, 65 in the first looked like, you know, blues had some life in the, in the second period there, but that was about it. Uh, they out expected gold us 2.62 to 1.62, a whole goal ahead of us. High danger chances are pretty even five on five, but yeah, I mean, it's, as you can see, it was, it felt close, felt like there's a lot of skating going on in this game felt, you know, high up tempo for both teams. So I think that kind of leads you to a feel of like, Oh, this is back and forth, back and forth. But really it was just kind of back and not a lot of forth. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I put a comment down where basically I was just saying I found it interesting that folks on Twitter thought the game was evenly matched because I really thought the Blues looked okay, but it felt like we had a very, or we just had very low sustained pressure in the Penguins zone. Um, it's 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 interesting. I mean, there's a few comments from Craig Ruby. He's defending the challenge in the third. Says the goalie had the puck knocked out of, knocked it out. Oh, what am I got? The goalie had the puck knocked it out of his in the crease. Crosby comes through the crease. His foot's in the crease, knocks it out of his hand, and scored a goal. It's a goalie interference. Uh, he comes close to the crease, Craig. Comes real mm-hmm. close, but I don't think he was necessarily in the crease. Uh, Ruby on Mikola's goalie interference call. I said, that's a terrible call, terrible call. That's not goaltender interference. That's not a penalty. <laughs> and again, Craig, goaltender interference is a penalty. They do have it in the rule book. It does not exist. So just so you know, I don't know, you know, if he's arguing for these sort of stipulations. It's not true, Craig. And I know you can read. I know you can read. <laughs> Put those eyes to use. Um, and just on the game overall, I think this was actually uh, pretty insightful from him. He was just saying the first period, I didn't think we were very good. I thought Benner had a really good first. We didn't skate. Our puck management wasn't very good. Third period, that was a lot of penalties. We didn't pressure very well tonight. I didn't think our forecheck was very good. That's where it starts for me. We didn't skate that well tonight, and we weren't heavy enough. I was, like, heavy. Uh, what we've got to take out of this game is that is that it's not the way we play. That wasn't a good outing by us. We were right there, though. We had a chance. We can't come to play that type of hockey. We can't. But you can and you did, Craig. You can and you did. <laughs> you did. Um, I, and again, like, it didn't look – the Blues didn't look terrible, but you don't look especially good um, against a Penguins team that was just kind of firing all cylinders – to the Penguins' credit, uh, that was their ninth win in a row, I believe. They are on now, fire. Now they're 10th. Um, oh, tonight? Dang. They overrode um, the uh, Flyers tonight. Well, that's, I mean, there you go. I mean, that's, the Flyers, that's not saying anything. The, the Flyers were already distinctly worse than the Penguins and starting like 14 <laughs> AHL. Uh, poor Mike Yo. Mickey Mouse the, League. The Mike Yo. Ooh, era. Is, he on his mid-season, well. is he on his midseason losing streak? Let's see. Right. Let's check His in job on the NHL. Honestly, game. should be in question. Should be in question, exactly. Someone tweeted Wait. out. I think it might have been. I think it might oh, have been only Jeff five, Ponder. three, and two. Very good. Oh, really? Oh, oh, wait, 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 wait. Losses in their last four. So here uh, comes the skid. <laughs> yeah, He's I don't know why Mike Yo keeps practice. Why he keeps getting chances as like a coach? Like maybe He's an assistant not... tops. You know. The weird thing about him is like he, you know, at least if you got like the, I don't know, the Elaine Vigneault kind of guy, like he's won places mm-hmm. and you can say, yeah, with Lundquist and whoever. And it's like, yeah, for sure. But he's at least got the 
track record. Like Yo's never had a good team. And it's still just like, well, but he's young and he won a cup as an assistant coach with the Penguins that one time. So yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I know people used to make fun of that for like Hitchcock because he won one in 99. Like he's a cup yeah. winner. Um, but it's like, it's kind of getting to that point with Yo though, too, because I'm like, man, that was 2009, bro. That was like 13 years ago as an assistant. Like, you, uh, if you don't have it now, I don't know if you're going to ever have it. It's like a head yeah. coach. It's one of those things, too, where it's like, to me, if if your ceiling is assistant coach in the NHL, that's still a pretty friggin' good ceiling. Yeah, you know? right. Like, nothing to be ashamed about, about being a consistent, you know, desirable assistant coach in the NHL. But, you know, maybe you uh, don't go any further than that. Not everybody can be CEO, but if you're the director of something, you know, you're doing all right. So, <laughs> vice president pretty good <laughs> adlay stevenson has nothing to be ashamed about Ian. that's what i want you to take away from this podcast <laughs> that's probably not true that wasn't a statement about adlay stevenson or his like general things that he probably probably should be um oh, was he never actually vice president i know i don't know vice president nobody knows Ad- the vice president oh yeah he definitely wasn't why did i think he was vice president Oh, his grandfather was vice president. Gotcha, gotcha. Under Are we talking about Adlai Stevenson the second? Yeah, I was. Well, I was talking about Adlai Stevenson the first, and then I looked up Adlai Stevenson the second accidentally. How do you? How? 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 Are you a vice president of the United States and Google SEO returns your son, who was never anything more than um, governor of Illinois to uh, before you? That seems like a, a real slap in the dick. I don't know. Nothing um, more than a petty cobbler. <laughs> a petty cobbler who is the fifth United States ambassador to the United Nations. <laughs> Imagine trying to explain to someone from like Croatia that your name is Adlai and like for real, like that's actually your name. You I know? mean, this is the first time ever learning of this person or this group <laughs> of people ever. Well, I there you go. Sprung, honestly, I thought you'd sprung some weird uh, soccer talk lads <laughs> quiz on me. And I was like, oh shit, Adlai Stevenson, what weird <laughs> soccer man is that? Maybe, maybe vice presidents will be our next. Uh, our next thing. Adlai Stevenson III was in the Senate for 11 years. So, you know, he has been awarded Japan's Order of the Sacred Treasure with gold and silver stars and was an honorary professor of Renmin University in China. Huh. What does it mean to be an honorary professor? So you weren't really a professor. Oh, you were just it's like an honorary this. degree where they're like, yeah. it's like you graduated from here, right? But not oh. really. You can't do anything with that. <laughs> and in his little uh, cutout on the side, oh, just died a few months ago, did Adlai Stevenson the third. <laughs> I, don't it, I don't know why that was like, oh, just died. <laughs> <laughs> just exciting. It's news. Uh, his little cutout on the side, it says children, four, including Adlai the fourth. And that's got a hyperlink. And he is an American business executive and a former television and print journalist. So, you know. Oh, and he's got a fifth. He's got a fifth. You got to stop, Adlai. Yeah. Stevenson was ambivalent about passing on his name, having joked that he would be Adlai the last. He then, he later recounted that when my own kid was about to be born, the big debate began, well, we're going to continue this name thing. I was basically against 
against it. Needless to say, fully aware of how being named Adlai Stevenson can be a boy named Sue like Albatross. <laughs> but my dad and my wife felt strongly this was something we should do. <laughs> Uh, this is great, greatest family in American history. Go, 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 mm. Adlai Stevenson, uh, the first through fifth. I you cut this all that little bit out. I was basically against it, but my dad and my wife felt strongly, <laughs> and th- th- that was something we should do. Yeah, so we did. And they're they're my bosses. So what about so what's what's Adlai? No one else do? was the great grandson of the vice president on that day. Um, I don't know. It's, it's going to be up to him. He's not, he was born in 94, so he could be having kids anytime now. Going to have to decide for himself. So, you know, there's your... Godspeed, uh, Adley. <laughs> there's your much-desired uh, sidebar on the Adley Stevenson uh, genealogy. They're all gone. They're all gone. No one's listening. <laughs> yeah, no. Just no, dead not air. Chance. Not one chance. Adam's history corner. Um, you know, so that was that. Um, are we done with the penguins? Are we yeah. good? Do we feel right. cut the music hard? Hard. Cut it out hard. Um Steven, you gotta pick one of these kids. They're dying. <laughs> All right. All right, you're killing these kids. You're killing these kids. You <laughs> <laughs> <Hey>, little Goliath. <laughs> troll boy. It's troll boy. Nah, nah. Nah. Give me troll boy. <laughs> Oh boy, they're all gone. All our audience is gone. They're all gone. Oh, we've lost. We've lost yeah, the plot. They would rather be uh, traded to a different podcast, which is how we'll talk about uh, Doug Armstrong's all-time bangers. I like it. I saw a podcast, or I saw a tweet from NHL History Girl. I think is her account. Pretty good follow. Check her out. Um, uh, but uh, it was just about like name a trade that turned into highway robbery and i kind of instinctively retweeted it and said blaze and blay in a second for uh pavel buchnevich and i was right i mean i don't regret that decision <laughs> but then <laughs> um you know people started saying but what about what about what about and i realized that uh doug armstrong is a stone cold bitch he's amazing <laughs> he is <laughs> an ice cold killer i i really i mean granted there aren't that many people that have been a gm for as long as he has um by the way anyone who is unaware uh he did an episode of uh, i didn't ever want to say the name of this podcast on our podcast but of agent provocateur with uh alan walsh and adam wild um and despite the name of that podcast and the you know people who are on it in general uh, it was pretty good it was, <laughs> you know it wasn't very like uh deep behind the scenes sort of thing um but he did a, told a lot of fun stories and and it was it was fun so check that out if you haven't but in any case um are there many there can't be many gms out there who have pulled this many just highway robbery trades without really like is there a glaring loss on his record I'm, uh, I'm sure there's one or two I'm overlooking. The Oshi trade, pretty bad. Yeah, it's um, like Oshi. I think the Oshi one stands out as the one where I'm just like, yeah, you got Troy Brower, and he was like a fun, fun goal in Game Seven. Uh, yeah. But that's like that's kind of it. That's kind of all he was for us. But was like, was the goal in Game Seven and beating the Blackhawks like 
are <laughs> was it like our soul stone where it's like it's it's kind of the most boring stone but you can't have the infinity gauntlet without it you know? <laughs> so like maybe we needed that one and i'm maybe. sure that i'm sure the marvel experts out there are like you think the soul stone is the most boring and i apologize i already um, i already apologize i maybe maybe for <laughs> Ryan Miller, but again, people liked that at the time. I mean, I liked it at the time, and yeah. I, I still think it made sense. I still sense think he gets too time. much crap for that because yeah. nothing, nothing he gave up cost us anything. Right. That's the other thing. If we traded like, I don't know, a young star for that, then yeah, that would hurt. But like, it ultimately, we, didn't cost us much. We also got Steve Ott in the trade. Yeah, and now and he's, he's now literally he's never left the organization. <laughs> Even when he was with the Red Wings for that weird period and broke both his legs, he was a spy. He was he much was like when us. Bernie Federico left for the Wings for a year before That's he right. retired. It's just a weird thing that we erase from history. <laughs> you see a picture of Bernie Federico in a Red Wings jersey, and you're like, "What?" And then the Men in Black show up and hit you with one of their, you know, eye cannon things, and you just <laughs> get ready for the eye cannon. <laughs> Oh, Ian. Oh, it's late. It's I'm I'm losing it. All right. So honorable mentions. Um, Brian Elliott for the 35th overall pick in the what was that 2016 NHL draft? I'm gonna gonna go out mm-hmm. on a limb and say 16. Um you know, I usually don't really like saying the oh wait, 17. Sorry, 17. 17. Okay, because he was in that he was in our run. Yeah. Um I don't usually like saying the like, well, we got such and such a pick for this trade and uh, that became pretty great. Um, but in this case, uh, pretty hard to deny. <laughs> and you were talking about um, earlier, you know, before we were recording, you talked about how like trading a goalie at all for that kind of capital is pretty impressive, especially, you know, an, an older guy that had had problems. Well, I guess he wasn't that much older for goalie, but you know, had had problems everywhere else, but the blues and it just kind of shows the kind of career he'd built to that point. Any thoughts on that trade? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing where they could have easily, or Armstrong could have easily gotten like just a fourth or something, but getting a second. And like you said, like a, a pretty early second at that is I think pretty fair value for Elliot. I get at the time he was, had just been on a, a deep playoff run with us. And you're thinking, man, you know, you're really giving up, you know, our, our starting goalie for a second round pick and that's it. But also people got to remember that this was like when Jake Allen was essentially like had to be our starter or he had to be traded. And you can, you can debate uh-huh. which one you wanted to happen, but this organization was definitely going with Jake Allen as a starter. And Brian Elliott definitely had come out and said, I want to be, a starter on the team so like yeah it was kind of a no-brainer move for doug but i think that's where it becomes like a very good move by him the fact that he got that much value for him and then again turns into Cairo, so it's kind of like icing on top of it a very very thick luxurious icing on top of it yeah yeah i agree i mean and also you know it's Jordan Kyra is incredible. So uh, moving on from that, your Laterra and two firsts for Braden Shin. I put this in honorable mentions because first of all, um, people I think forget that we gave up two firsts and not just one first. Um, also, um, Joel Farabee, one of those first round picks, looks to be a, a really good player. And Morgan Frost, I don't know if he's ever going to quite develop, but he is at least, you know, kind of 
has been highly rated at times. So I don't think the, I don't think the flyers ultimately got hosed here by trading a guy that they didn't have space for anyway. Um, but it was certainly a trade that, you know, shaped our future. Um, Joel Farabee tonight is all over Twitter, breaking his stick in a, in a neon lighted hallway after losing to the penguins. So that's already become a lot of memes. So keep your eye open for the, for the Farah memes as they call them. Oh, yeah, the pheromones, the Farah memes. You're getting on that oh, meme man. early. That meme stock. Yeah. You know, jump on that right, right now. Oh baby. Let me buy some Farabee coin. Farah, Farah, <laughs> Farah bones, Farah bones. Let me buy some Farah bones. <laughs> um well bones bones are their money yeah and so are the worms any <laughs> thoughts on, <laughs> any thoughts on this one no none at all no i was so <laughs> i so i still remember that trade I was being like, like <laughs> i remember that trade being coming out of nowhere right or just yeah. like that alone is like one of the top trades for me that was literally like, that was literally um Gary Batman walking up to the podium before our pick in that draft, which I think I was supposed to be our second. I think we'd already taken Thomas. And then this was like, what was the 27th? And it was maybe a pick we got for Shattenkirk or Stastny. Um, <clears throat> I guess Shattenkirk probably, I don't think we traded Stastny yet. And, um, and then it was, uh, it was that like moment of oh, this trade has to involve us. Cause we're next, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. And then he said Braden Shen, and we were all like, <gasps> so yeah, that was fun. Good memory for sure. Yeah, it was like one of those things where just hearing Latera's name at that point was enough to be like, okay, so this is already good for us. <laughs> He's yeah. already gone. Um, yeah, I think I think it's one of his, I think it's a pretty fair trade that he made, but I also think it was like a obviously a very good trade for the team. It's not necessarily highway robbery, but obviously the Flyers got some of what they needed, and the Blues definitely got. Um, something that needed because I remember thinking, well, Braden Shen's good and we want to play him at center. And I know he wants to play center, but didn't he play like wing the whole time for the Flyers? Yeah. And they only ever really scored on the power play. And I remember like, eh, we'll see. Hopefully he fits. And I mean, that next season, he had like what, 60 points, 70 points, something like that. It was like 70, a crazy think, season. Yeah, it was his best season ever, pretty much. Yeah. And I mean, he fits in really well uh, on this team as a whole. Like, I think, especially when you, Factoring getting O'Reilly and then he doesn't have to play on the first line anymore. Um, fantastic. So yeah, I mean, it was, it was a very good trade. Doug Armstrong, smart guy. Great success. Um, 70 points in 82 games. Never been the same. Terrible brain. Uh, excuse me. Woof. Uh, moving on. I wanted to throw this one in there because I don't think it's many people would think it's one many people would think of immediately, but Justin Falk and a fifth round pick that, sort of kind of became Will Cranley, the promising, decently promising goalie prospect. Uh, that was through a couple of pick trades, but it basically was a result of getting that pick um, for Joel Edmondson, Dominic Bach, and a seventh. Joel Edmondson, Carolina moved on from after one year. Dominic Bach, you know, is looking questionable to ever be an impact player in the NHL. Um, and I will go out and say it. Justin Falk, probably our best defenseman overall right now. Um, not necessarily a great thing, to be honest, because I'm not saying he's a second coming of Bobby Orr or anything, but um but you know, I think he does, I think Armstrong deserves some credit for I don't know, you know, maybe we'll never know really how the how the Petrangelo thing went down and and when he knew 
that Petrangelo was probably leaving if he knew, you know, I think he was probably hoping to keep Falk and sign Petrangelo and then trade Pareko would be my kind of guess if mm-hmm. I had to kind of go back and, you know, um, retcon it, I guess, for lack of a better word, but um, <clears throat> we can quibble with the extension and things, but I do think this was a, you know, in terms of getting a really important piece on your team for not much that you gave up um, with due respect to Joel Evanson, who I think we all like uh, pretty decent trade. Oh yeah. And I think right now and just over the course of last season and definitely I think so far this season, Fox looks like the most like well-rounded two-way, you know, defenseman that we have. Um, Mm -hmm. There's other, there's players that shine more than he does on, on any given night. Um, you know, Krug some nights, Pareko and others, things like that. But I think he's the steadiest one. And when it comes to defensemen and everything, that's you want to be able to like look at a few of them and be like, well, this guy we can just have out here whenever. And he's he's one of those guys. So and yeah, like you said, I give him for, I give Armstrong credit for trying, you know, I don't know, finding a band-aid for something that was gonna potentially be pretty bad, you know, mm. losing Petrangelo, losing Pareko. He was thinking ahead, he wasn't like, okay, I really gotta sign both these guys and keep them around forever. He, he knew that Petrangelo I'm sure was thinking about hitting the market. And he's like, look, then I got to do what's best with the team. I got to go out there and secure someone that's going to be here for a while, or at least take your place when you leave. I know some people think that could have soured the relationship and everything between them, but I think, think they might've already been a little bit at that point. Right. Um, Yeah. That's what Armstrong's thoughts are. I mean, to be honest, what we're coming right off the cup that year, right? If if the relationship was perfect, I think your captains resigned that summer. I mean, it, this was a right. last minute trade. I think it's probably a reaction to the fact that Armstrong couldn't get an extension done. Um, Armstrong doesn't really like to sign guys in the in the last year of their contract, or, or not in the last year, but like right before their contract expires. Usually, if he's going to bring a guy back, he he gets about it in either the off season before or at least that winter sometime. Um, so, you know, I think I, I'm almost certain that that played a role and like, I'm not going, I'm not going into next summer having to sign like gun to my head. I have to sign Alex Petrangelo because I don't have a defense. If I mm-hmm. don't, you know, I'm not giving him that bargaining chip. Right. So we're going to go get this guy and, and come what may. And, and, you know, it's disappointing what did come, but um kind of moved on from it and now we've got the team we have and you know we might not have some other pieces that we really like if we did still have Petrangelo so there's always that give and take and you know it's it's, you know it's I think it's just an important trade if you look back at the the time and the place for it um another one and we can move through these a little quicker probably but um Bowmeister we got him for Red Obera, Mark Kundari, and a first-round pick that became Emil Poirier. I did some digging, and those three players played a total of 45 games for the Calgary Flames, and they combined for one goal, three assists, and a minus six rating. And Red Obera went 9-17-2 and two with an 8.97 save percentage and a minus 13.1 goals, goals saved above average, which, if you're not familiar with advanced stats, is really fucking bad. <laughs> four, four, four goals saved above average. Pretty fucking bad. Um, <laughs> but um, it, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, that's a trade that you're, you know, you talk about Ryan O'Reilly, you're not winning a cup without that trade. And, and spoiler alert, we'll talk about him too in a minute. But 
I don't think ultimately you're winning a cup without this trade either. And, you know, you can talk about the ups and downs of, of Bo Meester's time here. And, and the fact that, you know, several months before we won the cup, you and I were on this podcast saying like, he's wasted, get him out of here. He's done. Mm. Um, but the fact of the matter is he held his body together for that final playoff run and, and, you know, was absolutely dominant alongside Colton Pareko. And, you know, he was good for several years before he was bad for a year or two, too. So, you know, no disrespect to, to what he brought early in his Blues tenure. Um, mm-hmm. I just think, and you gave literally, ultimately nothing to get him. So um, definitely a, a strong one, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think you're right. He looked really good when we got him right away and then people kind of forget because, Right before he got good again in the cup run, he he looked really terrible. But uh, it was like it was a slow descent from when we got him in 2012 or 2013, mm-hmm. whenever it was. Um, he he looked really good for like those. I want to say all the way up through like the Minnesota, like the Minnesota series in 2015, all the way through like our our deep run in 2016. And then I'd say he kind of trended with the team, right? I think. 17 yeah. wasn't great 18 kind of bottomed out like a lot of other people and then he bounced back uh after the coaching change and everything um but yeah i don't think it's hard to say right but i really don't think they win the cup without him like i mean like i would yeah. say that for preco too even when we're kind of down in preco these days and stuff but like that pairing was a, such a huge piece to be able to throw out against top lines just to say, you guys just shut these dudes down. They have a wingspan of like two condors. They're just like <laughs> they, they, there was nothing you could do, and they were and they were playing like super physical, and it just it worked. It clicked so yeah. well, and I just don't think you could replace either of those two players at that time no. with anybody else. And, and you can you can play the what if game with any of these, you know, and mm-hmm. you can say, well, maybe if we hadn't traded for Bo Meester, we would have gone and signed, you know, I don't know. I don't even know who a good left-handed defenseman is. Brian Dumoulin. Yeah, exactly. Or like whoever, and they could have done the same. But like, we got a Stanley Cup, so what are you what ifing? Mm-hmm. Maybe we would have had two Stanley Cups. You know, I saw a couple guys being like, well, we could have drafted Nate Schmidt with that pick. And I'm like, you're trading maybe Nate Schmidt for, for a, a guaranteed Stanley Cup? I don't I don't think so. Dually. Um <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good times. Um, Costin and Sunquist went for Ryan Reeves in a second. Um, I don't think we need to belabor the point here. That was not great for the Penguins. Um, Ryan Reeves played 58 games there, and Zachary Lauzon, who was the second-round pick, uh, had to retire, unfortunately, due to concussion issues. Costin and Sunquist. Do we overrate Sunquist a little bit on this team? Maybe, but he's a very valuable, versatile middle six bottom six player and Costin is you know a bottom six guy with the potential for upside still you know you've got two of your 13 current forwards on the roster by trading a guy that was you know in every sense of the word a grinder a beloved grinder no disrespect to Reaver uh, who went back to Vegas tonight but uh yeah that was pretty good that was that was all right um David Runblad for Vladimir Tarasenko trading a guy who hadn't proven anything in the NHL yet and would not for um, one of the hottest kind of picks in that draft who was sinking due to the KHL panic um, turned into, you know, your greatest, your, 
probably your second or third greatest goal scorer in franchise history. Um, you know, even, even if he still gets traded this summer or whatever, he's, you know, an iconic franchise legend as we'll talk about any thoughts mm-hmm. on either of those trades. Uh, I mean, I remember the trade for the Preco or the Preco, the uh, Tarasenko pick super vividly just because I was uh-huh. like watching it with a bunch of friends. And I do remember like people talking about, like, I I was very not, I was like only knew who was on the blues at this point. Like, I was like, mm-hmm. I've heard of like Patrick Kane or whatever. And that's it. Yeah. But like when people were like, yeah, this like Russian kid, the blues are going to try and get him. I don't know if people are seeing on Twitter or something like that. And I was like, okay. And, there was so much hype around it, like this little like watch party that when they picked Schwartz and we we're like, Oh, that's too bad. I don't know anything about this guy, but that's, that's fine. And then it got to, you know, it got to Ottawa's pick or whatever. And then we traded for it. And I remember thinking, Holy crap, we're like, we're totally going to get this kid. And we did. And I was like, I think that was like the first truly exciting moment outside of like the 2009 playoff push to then get stomped by, <laughs> by the Canucks <laughs> that I was like, oh man, like, I can't believe it. This is so crazy. And then it's even crazier because that could have been like anybody, right? That could have yeah. been like any first rounder. Yeah. And <laughs> I could have been like, no way. They really, I don't know. They went out and they got freaking Scotty like Upshaw. Holy and, shit. Yeah. Like, that's great. <laughs> and then they turn into like, yeah, that's, you know, it's fine player. Uh, and they, <laughs> that just so happened that Tara Single, that first one was actually like the player, which yeah. like really ruined me for like other drafts that I hadn't quite learned yet. I was like, well, this dude's going to be like the next Tarasenko. Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 no. They're no, not all like this. There's only one. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, that's um, non, non Perel and just a ballsy move to trade a guy that looks like a top prospect um, for another guy that you really like and is a top prospect and actually turned into one. Unlike run wide. Um, uh, the one we already talked about a little bit boy in a second rounder for Pavel Buchnevich. I mean, this is going to go down as an all timer already. You can tell I was pretty confident it would as soon as we made it, but there's always the chance the guy gets here and doesn't fit in or whatever. Um, he has, he's one of our most important <laughs> forwards this season. He is really, really good. I don't even know what his total points are at right now, but I would think they're pretty solid. Uh, oh, we share a birthday. I, I probably learned that every time I look him up, but uh, you know, fun to know. Um, <laughs> 11 goals, 19 assists in 31 games. So 30 points in 31 games, almost a point per game player. He's pretty good. And everybody knew he was pretty good. And the Rangers didn't really have to move him. You know, it was a situation where they kind of like talked themselves into they had to move him because he's the guy that got dummied by Tom Wilson more than anything. You mm-hmm. know, and uh, God, it, it has certainly worked out well for us through the first 31 games. And I think it will continue to. Right. Like it looked, come. it looked good to start. And then it's only like gotten better. Yeah. Or same way with the injury, but yeah. You can't really factor that in because nobody knows and nobody wanted that. You know, certainly Doug Armstrong didn't want that. Um, uh, you know, maybe PK Subban wanted that, arguably, but mm. um, nobody else. And so, but still pretty, pretty nice. Uh, and then, of course, Ryan O'Reilly for Patrick Bergwin, Vitamir Savoka, Tage Thompson, a first round pick that became Ryan Johnson and a second round pick in 2021 that became Benjamin Roger. Um, who is a senator's prospect because that pick got traded a bunch of times. Uh, this one's kind of funny to me because it's there's like a very there's at least a chance that this works out to be like 
a better return for for the Sabres than most of these have been, you know, because mm-hmm. Thompson's turning into a guy that's at least contributing for them. And Ryan Johnson still looks like he has some upside. So, you know, they could get two NHL pieces out of this. Um, but, you know, we got a Con Smythe and a Stanley Cup immediately after it and a captain and, you know, a franchise legend. And, and uh, yeah, that one's pretty hard to argue with. <laughs> I like it's the, that's the crown jewel. It's just, I mean, and, yeah. and like you said, for Buffalo, I feel like they actually get some stuff out of that too so it doesn't it doesn't feel i don't know it doesn't feel quite like we robbed them but yeah. i mean we really did when you get the consummate winner and you right. and you wins the stanley cup the next year uh yeah and i think we've talked about it on here before but it's just it's just crazy to think how that went down because we had bozak we had Perron earlier in the day and we're like well this you know that's fine but you knew we needed a center and you kind of were like blown away that they got Bozak was the answer <laughs> and it was like, well, obviously he's not a first line center, but I guess he fills in our bottom six and the team's a little more complete, but that, and then later in the day, I don't even know, it was in the evening or the afternoon, whatever it was. And they were like, Nope, they went out and they got O'Reilly. Uh, and I think, and there's a lot of other, like, I think Montreal was not on O'Reilly. There's a couple other teams. I was sort of thinking, ah, I don't know if we're going to be able to do it, but, and then somehow, yeah, that stuff like that happens where it's like, Holy cow, how do we, how do we trade them all of that? And they're like, okay, here's Ryan O'Reilly. It probably helps that he wanted out, you know, obviously, uh-huh. but it's like, man, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a highway robbery. Too. I, I think about that trade sometimes the same way. Like if you think about like space too hard, yeah, like your brain starts to hurt. If I like think about that trade more and more, <laughs> I'm like, so everyone thought through this. And they were, and Agreed. Buffalo was like, yes, we will do this. And I was like, <laughs> And because and my brain just starts to hurt. Yeah. Yeah, it's rough. It's rough. Um, all right, moving on to the winter classic. Uh, you want to do the outfits first or the game first? Um, let's talk to the game first. <clears throat> all right, all right. So we all know that the blues arrived in style for this one, and we will talk about those outlet outfits when we do rate the fit later on um i worked very hard to figure out every player that i could (laughs) and identify them and associate them with their photos so um you know that's still a visual medium and this is an audio podcast but you're gonna still have to appreciate the work i did regardless (laughs) Uh, (laughs) we've got uh pre-game the lines were sada riley perron kairu thomas tarasenko costin barbashev buchnevich Brown, Bozak, Sunquist, Mikola Pareko, Krug Fox, Scandella Perunovic, and Bennington. We talked about how um, Shen was just on the fringe of potentially making this one and didn't get to, but, you know, that's cool because a, a Logan Brown or somebody, you know, a Quim Costin gets to slot in that, that wouldn't have otherwise. So, you know, and Quim Costin knows a thing or two about sub-zero temperatures being from Russia, I'm sure. So the temperature at puck drop is minus eight degrees. Was that racist? Well, and I don't know. There, there are probably coastal warm parts of Russia, right? No, I, I um, think that's, a, I think that's a, yeah, it's, that's, it's a, a that's a lie. Yeah. <laughs> this one was made up by a writer. Uh, the coldest, <laughs> The coldest outdoor event in NHL history, and according to TNT, uh, the third coldest North American sporting event ever behind the Ice Bowl, which is infamous, and and one other thing I don't remember. Um, Pretty, pretty cold, but it really didn't affect this game. I really thought it was going to be like a 
a two to one grinder, you know, but it mm-hmm. was, uh, it was, I hot. mean, that's what they're, that's what all those outdoor games are usually like, right? Like a lot of them <laughs> yeah. are very low scoring and it's more about like the spectacle. You're like, oh, this is so cool. And then when you yeah. really think about the hockey game, you're like, this is kind of lame. Our first one was what four to one, I think, but it was really kind of two to one. And the other two were like sort of extras, you know, they mm. weren't empty netters, but they were kind of, kind of like, oh, well, this one's lost. So let's do some <laughs> more damage. Um, first period, David Perron opens the scoring 14 minutes in. Uh, Saad kept a puck in at the zone and knocked it across the other side to Scandella. Um, Scandella, to his credit, skates over and fights off Bugstad, gets the puck back to O'Reilly. We say that because Scandella is not going to get a lot of. Uh, credit later on <laughs> O'Reilly's shot goes off Merrill's skate which just just must have hurt so bad in this temperature um, and it fell right to Perron's stick Perron reacts immediately and shoots it low before Talbot can react it wasn't Talbot's best Rick Tockett on the broadcast pointed out that rookie defenseman Kalen Addison should have had his stick on the ice here it's up and he's cross-checking Perron and because of that the shot isn't obstructed uh, I just thought that was an interesting point you know it pretty pretty basic defending point, but something I wouldn't have probably noticed if Rick Tockett hadn't pointed it out to me. That TNT team, pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, I like them. I like them a lot. With the elements, I, as I already kind of said, I thought this might be the only goal or one of two or three goals. I was not correct. Carol Kaprizov scored um, less than 30 seconds later. Um, he's good again. Uh, remember, remember when people were freaking out cause he didn't have like a lot of goals in his first 10 games. Well, now he's got 13 and maybe more since this game happened. Um, so pretty good. Uh, as the puck got knocked out of the blue zone along the boards, Carroll outraces Holt and holds off Pareko. He goes behind the net. He centers a puck. It was apparently aimed for the Lizard King, Matt Zuccarello. If you don't know that reference, I'm sure we've got an episode titled Lizard King. You're going to have to hmm. have to go back. That's an all-timer right there. The Lizard King episode, all-timer. Um, but Was that goes- their, their, their other <clears throat> GM, their one-year yeah, GM? Yeah, Paul Fenton, I believe. Oh, yes. Paul Fenton. Um, (laughs) short-lived and for good reason um but it went off Mikola's knee and and kind of unfortunate that he gets around Pareko and the the lucky bounce but hey you know stuff happens in minus sub-zero uh temperatures and then uh Jordan Cairo took over this game he's uh he's really good Ian he's he's really good we already talked about say elite yeah some might pretty hard to argue he's pretty damn good uh, we already talked about his goal against Pittsburgh. Um, this one sort of similar to the Kirill goal. Um, actually, in a way, he wins the faceoff end zone. Kairou turns on a dime along the boards and holds off Goligoski. Not quite the Kale McCarr goal, but similar in um, ideation, you know, a 180 along the boards. Um, he tries to center it to Tarasenko, but it goes off Hartman's stick and in. But never fear, because Vladimir Tarasenko gets the next goal. The Blues had four attackers closing in on two wild defensemen with a third closing from behind. Tarasenko glides along the wing, unmarked by either the two defensemen or the third player backtracking. As the third player crosses into the crease, Kairou pops a pass between he and the fourth backtracking wild player, and Tarasenko one times at home, which is not, as we all know, Tarasenko's specialty. So Kairou with the primary assist on that, that was a nice goal. Um, any thoughts on either of those two? Um, you know, I think, man, I think people underrate like Kairou's like passing ability too. At least yeah. I, I should say I underrate it. Um, 
he has such a such a great release on his shot, and that gets obviously focused on a lot with his his you know, like skating speed as well. But he's got some silky smooth passes. It's very Vladimir Tarasenko like. Um, yeah, and those three together, those three together is dynamite. I don't know. I hope they keep them together. I don't hope they don't break that apart uh, going into tomorrow's game, um, just because they lost yesterday. Because I really want to see more of these guys, and I feel like they're they feed off each other really well. And even though they're like, I don't know, I feel like Kyra and Tarasenko aren't the same exact player, but they kind of fit the same role. But it gives just Thomas like two like lethal weapons to pass to, and then both of them are really good passers too. It's just like a really fun, really fun trifecta. Yeah. Yep. And we saw. <clears throat> Kyrie do it again with uh, Barbashev this time on the power play. Thomas passed back to Buchnevich. Uh, at this point, all four of the wild players have drifted over to Talbot's left. Not ideal in a power play situation. Buchnevich is even is even with the far right most of them, and Kyrie is dr- drifting in towards the right circle, completely untouched, which seems like a mistake with how this period has progressed so far. Um, he gets the pass, fires at Lowenhardt off Talbot's pad. Barbashev is untouched among three wild and the puck bounces perfectly to him to slap back in. <clears throat> and I'm sorry that my voice is giving out on me. I sound terrible. Here. <laughs> um, I thought that beach air was supposed to cure all your ailments. Yeah, apparently, apparently not. I need to open the window, but then this, the sound quality on this podcast would be ruined, Ian, because then I cannot stress this enough. The ocean is right there. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case that wasn't made clear by my earlier braggadocious story. Um, and then uh, Kyra gets his fourth point of the period when he enters the zone with three wild defensemen and a tight line between the circles. He drops to Thomas as the wild form a triangle and Thomas immediately passes back to him. He dusts it off as the Lizard King attempts the crouch block. Then as LK slides out of the way, fires it high off the bar before wild reinforcements can fully arrive. It's his fourth point in uh, one period, it is both the first time that um, a player has scored four points in a period in the Winter Classic and the first time that a player has scored uh, four points at all in a Winter Classic. It was interesting because there, when they, he did that during the game, they were like, that's the first time anyone scored four points in a period in the Winter Classic. And then later on, like it was like everybody was talking about that's the first time anyone's ever done it. And I was like, did that guy just make that up on the spot and be like that. Yeah, that's probably right. Probably nobody's done this. In a period, right? I don't think uh, anyone's ever done this. <laughs> yeah. Is that why everyone scored four points in a game? Yeah. Hockey game? He, he didn't quite have the nerve to say, well, only in this, you know, in any winter classic game, Um, you would think entering the third five to, or well, we didn't enter the third. Sorry. I was stupid about where these goals happen. Rim Pitlick. <laughs> terrible name one of the really that's one of the worst names ever wow yeah tyler tyler pitlick's brother is rim yeah rim so uh that's the kind of sleep i wish i could get you know what i'm saying exactly exactly um as uh fluky as a goal has ever been scandal and perunovic maybe don't do enough behind the net to get the puck back but ultimately pitlick puts a pack puck off bennington's mask from behind the net it's a total fluke. It could have been the moment that gave them a little bit of momentum heading into intermission. However, um, Tori Krug scores. Barbashev broke Goligovsky's ankles by 180ing along the board again. Um, seems like that's a move that works well on uh, Goligovsky and Kirby Doc. He backhands it to a streaking Krug who fires the wrister over Talbot, who seems out of position. Talbot 
pretty bad in this one. Ryan Hartman and Kevin Fiala score in the um, third period. Um, Marco Scandella looked real bad on that fourth goal. Um, you know, after going into intermission six to two, I felt pretty comfortable, but this was a sweaty for the third period um, for me, at least watching at home. I don't know if you felt that it was in danger, but knowing the blues, I certainly was uneasy. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. But I, I think like... you tweeted, it's the blues. They can't ever make it easy, you know? Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, it wouldn't be the blues if it was easy. I mean, somehow game seven against the Bruins looked kind of easy after the first period, but see, there's always a part where they struggle. So you, you got to <laughs> just right. let them struggle. You can't they just gotta struggle before they can fly and they just do that. every hockey. time. <laughs> exactly. Um, but in the end, the Blues win six to four in their second Winter Classic, their second victory. The Blackhawks, for as many Winter Classics as they have been to, have never won one, Ian. So, um, really, yeah, apparently, I learned that the other day. So, uh, impressive five on five. Uh, there were only 10 minutes of it in the third period, a lot of penalties called, uh, <clears throat> eight penalty minutes against the Blues, six against the Wild. Uh, you know, I you can look at the course before the Wild increasingly better throughout the game the blues dominated the first um you know had the control of the second and um ultimately were you know kind of way late in the third but they come away with the win um i liked the game they played in this one a lot they were on top of the wild for most of the game and didn't give them a lot of room to operate <clears throat> maybe that's a note you took because it sounds more like you're writing but um that was but, me so say it. I apologize. <laughs> give your give your voice a break. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I thought the Blues played really good in this game, which was what which stunk when they went and played the Penguins the next day, but or the next game. But um, yeah, I, I mean, it was the Blues playing well just as much as was the Wild playing like terribly. I know the Wild haven't played a game at this point or up to this point for like thirteen days or something with all those COVID uh, rescheduled games, and I think they had. I think they were already like on a little bit of a break before that too. So it just so happened that they were off for a very long time. Um, so they, they looked a little rusty. Like we said, outdoor games never looks like people are skating quite as fast. Looks like, you know, just due to the weather and the conditions out there. Um, but yeah, if I, if I was a wild fan and I paid all that money to go see this game, I'd be fucking pissed. Uh, but also as people pointed out, um, as we get, in, this is like the 13th, or so or maybe 14th uh -huh. like winter classic um this is more for like the experience right so like it used yeah. to be a tv event now they play it like concurrently with other games like they had like four or five other games going on which seems kind of dumb i think uh, they only had one during the actual thing but it was bad enough anyway yeah and it was they like, had to uh, get hockey night in canada a game that's a whole uh, debate that we can oh discuss yeah some canada's got to care dumb. about something not yeah, these exactly. two american teams playing that's filled right. with canadians um yeah. but yeah so how could a canadian ever relate to jordan guyru or robert Thomas? <laughs> like yeah or to yeah the state of minnesota at all yeah, so it's exactly. like just it's the same thing you guys yeah exactly. just thunder bay further south um they took the big lake and they split in a bunch of little ones <laughs> we could trade manitoba and minnesota as countries and no one would ever know either direction yeah that's right <laughs> hey minneapolis doesn't have an airport you know that's just right saying. <laughs> that's right exactly. don't check that that's true i already <laughs> fact checked it um he's been there he's lived there you haven't I've, lived there have, you haven't have, lived have, in minneapolis who are you to question Ian? have i driven there more times than i've flown yes that's all you need to know 
fantastic. Um, but yeah, like I guess if you're a wild fan, like it sucks that you lost and you watch that game, you feel I'm going to go see him. But also, it's like fun because you're going to be outdoors and you get to see all this stuff happen. I thought their whole setup there was kind of nice. I saw people kind of like not in on the joke that the outside of the rink was supposed to look like plywood and stuff, yeah. or like. Mm-hmm. Because people are like, it looks unfinished. I'm like, yeah, but this is what it looks like when people build rinks in their backyard, like yeah. Minnesota. So it's like full shtick. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that they skated out. I don't know if I've seen, I haven't seen all the winter classics, but I don't know if I've seen them skate out to the ice uh-huh. before. They had like an ice path to the to the ice. So they had the like ice right to the rink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think it was like Ryan Hartman or somebody ate it, which was fun. Oh, yeah. That um, was fun. But yeah, I liked it because it wasn't Bad like... Bad tidings for this game, for sure. <laughs> yeah, right. It wasn't so over the top. Some of them look kind of crazy. And they're like, yeah, this one's in, I don't know, Philly. So we did we threw all the Philly shit everywhere. Yeah. I like that. There's a Liberty like, Bell. Yeah, yeah, Liberty think, Bell hitting the Liberty Bell. I definitely think they've tried a little harder to make them like more unique as they've gone on. You know? Oh, yeah. And it's partly um, it's partly because like you know to be honest if you have a game in Wrigley Field, it's in Wrigley Field. You don't need to you know that's already right. a thing. You don't really need to. You're hat saying on that hat, Wrigley Field like, and Target Field are <laughs> different, not equally prestigious. Um, wow. I I think Target Field looks like a cool part, but yeah, I mean just not the history or the iconic you know imagery. I liked having it at night too. I didn't know how I'd feel about that, um, mm-hmm. but that was pretty cool. I thought. And they were, you know, they didn't have any issues with that fickle, fickle sun like they had right. they might, they, last year. So I think that's what scared them. They're like, this guy yeah. has to be at night. Gary Bettman's feud with the sun continues. <laughs> you may have evaded my rays this time, Gary, but I'll get you yet. I um, love the sun. I don't know why everyone thinks <laughs> I don't like the sun. Me and the talking, sun are very good friends. I was. We have our with- disagreements, just like any other, <laughs> like anyone else. I was but talking with the IOC just the other day about moving the sun to the summer. They don't want to hear anything about that. <laughs> I think it's the best thing for the game. <laughs> I when Gary leaves, that's when it, the switch flips, and I'll be like, "Oh, I miss Gary. Bring Gary back." <laughs> yeah, Remember those they're going to get a guy who's probably better for the league, but just has no personality at all. Yeah, just, um, Gary not Bedman, even, not even is a, a lawyer, lawyer, but he's got like. He enjoys how hated he is, so he like plays into it, you know. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I think we're if, ready to ro- rock and roll with this. Uh, rate the fit oh, if you are. One thing I was gonna say was like, can you imagine? I don't think they will. Like, so the most likely thing to happen when they replace Gary, like, is Bill Daly or whatever. Yeah, but they'll have Bill Daly also a thousand. Yeah, yeah, he's older too. He's gonna go out there. <laughs> present the Stanley Cup, everyone's in a boo because that's the thing you do sort of thing. Uh-huh. But I really wish people would like really think about it and just like go ape. Like they have like yeah. Bill Daly comes out and people are like, ah, just like going nuts. Like, yeah, it's Bill Daly. Like we love this guy. <laughs> just because I wonder if Gary would be like, oh, what the fuck? Like they really hate me. <laughs> Bill Daly's 57. Where's some sunscreen, Bill? What you, what you doing, my guy? I feel like I've I've come across a lot of like, quote unquote celebrities recently that I've been like, you're 65 and they're like, yeah, 42. I'm like, what? Or like <laughs> vice versa. I'm like, you're still like 25, right? And they're like, nah, 46. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I don't like this. 
When I figured I guess, out Jared Leto's like 50, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's upsetting. Yeah, he I don't was like always, that. He was always one of those, but he also is Morbius. So, you know, I guess Bill Daly doesn't <laughs> always look as old as I think of him looking. He's always probably downtrodden because he's got to deal with all the draft bullshit. <laughs> but um, I got to pick up Gary's laundry. He's got that ambiguous bald head, you know, so it's hard to be like, well, he's this many years old. I'm this many. <laughs> <laughs> That's Bill Daly. That's a good Bill Daly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I've worked on that for years. All right. Let's rate the fits, Ian. Um, I left this game feeling like uh, I was floating. It was about as good as I've felt about the Blues. I don't know, for for probably since the cup run, honestly, in a way they, they came off, they had the big win against Edmonton and then they, they just absolute vibes with the mm-hmm. um, walk into the stadium, you know, and Cairo is a, a superstar. Um, Tarasenko, you know, I was going to talk about that at the end, but he took the same selfie he took at the end of the um, last winter classic, you know, obviously different ballpark, but similar position and, you know, was smiling big with all the fans. And it was just, it was, a, it was like a bittersweet thing for me where I was like, oh, please don't leave. Like, oh, I just, no. I just want you to stay and be an icon for this team. And, and I know, you know, I think he's completely justified with why he feels um, the way he does, but uh, God, I really, I hope there's some magic way they can work it out and, and make it so he doesn't have to leave. Um, but yeah, this decision to arrive in the, um, you know, beach attire, the summer, you know, vacation kind of attire is uh, iconic. It was a great moment, The similar to what the Bruins did last year with the zany 70s, 80s attire. But I would say this kicked it up a notch and, um, you know, really kind of gave that confidence from the very hop that, you know, I think carried right onto the ice. And then, you mm-hmm. know, you you contrast that with Hartman falling ass over tea kettle. I think you see why, which teams won when they won. So, you know, that's how people speak English. So let's rate these fitsy and let's run through these scale of one to 10. Um, I'm curious your thoughts, Jordan Cairo. He's got the Miami, um, the, the Miami heat kind of third jerseys, which are the very Miami vice blue and pink colors mm-hmm. matching sort of blue and pink I th- i'm guessing flamingo uh board short type of thing and, and a matching blue hat um i'm gonna give this like a seven i think it's i think it's not like you know super outside the box but it's very coordinated and it looks solid what are your thoughts i i do like those colors though i like those colors a lot yeah, oh, i agree sweet. that i agree that's not anything crazy oh yeah i think i agree i think it's like, like eight out of ten i give it like a seven and it's and it's a solid look you're allowed to disagree. You're allowed to give it an eight out of 10. I'll give it an eight. I'll give it one more than you. Except on Jordan Bennington, who's an absolute 10. Absolute oh, yeah. 10. 100%. 11. 11, 14. Doesn't matter. Just, oh my God. Just what a, <laughs> this guy just drips. Like his whole personality <laughs> is just a vibe. You know, I mean, I know, I get why he's hated. You look at this picture, you understand why he's hated. But this my is the God. guy that was just in the AHL. They have this personality and it was, we were exactly. just going to lose it. This guy has committed to his gimmick, the the kind of black and gold Versace, Greek, Roman, Greco-Roman style shirt, um, halfway unbuttoned, you know, the big chain, the big, big, um, like giant sunglasses, I was going to say like melanoma sunglasses, um, the black shorts, the high socks, 
uh, the watch blinging it out. Just, he just owned it. He just absolutely owned it. So tens plus across the board for Bennington. Um, I will change your Kyrie score to an eight per your request. Um, oh, yes. Braden Shen on the opposite end of the spectrum. Pretty lazy, my guy. Bud Light shirt, um, kind of Navy, <laughs> Navy shorts. A, a random white hat and flip-flops you know i'm, I'm still bold because it's negative degrees outside um, but he's from manitoba that can't even bother him i'd say like a three for shinner yeah i it's yeah i definitely i give it a three because it's that looks like something he probably just wears like anyways right yeah he just wears that in the summer that's just like yeah, a summer that's right, that's right. some of these guys i don't buy that the are where they wear some of the things that I'm seeing them wear. And that's what right. makes it better. I sure hope Bennington does wear what he wore. Oh yeah. That's just uh, a regular day <laughs> going out to Deerbergs. Um, Colton Pareko. Uh, first of all, I want to call out if you'll scroll to the bottom of all this, some real chicken shit behavior, wearing the fleece pullover on the way oh, onto yeah, the bus, totally. hoping nobody would see that disappointing. Um, he's, <laughs> He's rocking the uh, the Wainwright jersey that looks like a Cardinals hat, black shorts, um, I think socks and sandals. He played it extremely safe, tried to do the fan service. I would say I'll just give him a five, just right in the middle, personally. Yeah, you're wearing you're wearing a Cardinals jersey. That's very that's very kind of you, but also just kind of like eh. Yeah, eh. we we get it. They're the Cardinals. Everybody likes the Cardinals. You like the Cardinals. I like the Cardinals. Everybody STL together. Cardinals. Um, Oscar Sunquist here, the Hawaiian shirt style with the Stella Artois insignia all over the front, uh, backpack, which is just a pro move. I mean, that's just, that's just, that's just practical, you know, yeah. um, pockets overloaded with God knows what phone keys wallet. That's just busting with hundred dollar bills he's gonna spend at the club <laughs> after the game um, oh yeah and the just straight black flip-flops I'm, I'm gonna go i'm gonna go a little higher than i think maybe you will i'm gonna say this is an eight you know you're owning the stella artois vibes um i think he's kind of got it i don't know what do you feel yeah you know uh i i think it looks i think it looks good for him especially with i'm assuming what's like sort of kind of like a man bun i don't know he's got his hair pinned back in a certain yeah. way um <laughs> I give this I give this thing a six. That's fair. I, give it a six. That's fair. I might be overrating it a bit, but um I've I forgot we skipped we skipped old Marco Scandella walking in behind Colton Pareko. Um extra just like anyone would the, do. Yeah, that's right. Extra points for the fully open shirt. Um, you can see just a just a bit of the extensive ink he has on his chest and arms, um, kind of that flannel. Um, what are those kinds of shirts? Cabana shirt mm. uh, that he's wearing, a sort of necklace and and uh, sunglasses, the black shorts, the regular flip flops, the Reebok style. Um, confident, uh, not necessarily very creative, but you're walking bare nips into a into a <laughs> sub zero baseball stadium. I got to give you at least a six, you know. Yeah, I give it a six. Like it's not, it's not super colorful or anything, but it's, uh, it's clean, and I think it fits. Yeah, him. yeah, it works for him. He's kind of that like super sexy fashion model type, anyway. Yeah, so, right. Um, I will say, and after this one, I'll let you rate a few of them first. But uh, I will say, I really love the Brandon Sod vibe here. Mm. I don't know, you may feel differently, um, but you know, similar kind of white linen shirt. Um, but these kind of red, they look almost like South Carolina um, 
shorts because similar colors to to the USC um, colors and and the white kind of palm trees on there. Um, but you know, thigh length, the ch- the chubby variety, if you will, and looks like uh, pretty nice sandals down there. Hard to tell because you know the angles aren't amazing, but those look like more than your typical kind of flip flops. I would say I'd say a seven, maybe even an eight for Sod. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I'd say a seven. Like this is sort of like the Scandella thing where the uh-huh. the style just fits the personality or the person really well. Um, and I think it actually literally just like fits him well. Yeah, uh, yeah I give this I give this a seven. Not yeah, flashy, but like a really clean look. That's a drip for sure. The hairstyle, it all works. He's a good looking man. He's a handsome man. Okay, so um, who's who's this Cro-Magnon man coming out of the bus? So this is one of the ones that took me a while. I believe this is Jake Wallman. Okay. Um, he didn't play in the game, I don't think. Uh, but he he was one of the few healthy scratches non-participants to show up in style. I guess Shen was too. He didn't ultimately play. But um, wearing a, a white beach towel over his shoulder, a uh, St. Louis Blues heritage scarf as his only like upper garment are those two. Mm-hmm. And then the um, looks like the crying face emojis on the, on the Robin eggs, blue uh, swim trunks, the um, what's that? It's not quite a, not quite a fedora. I don't think, I don't think it's a Stanto brand. I'll tell you that. Much. <laughs> it's not nice enough. Um, oh, no. But but it's uh, you know kind of a bucket hat, I guess is the best term for it. And the flip. I think he's got like two hundred of those at home. Yeah, probably probably looking to offload them on uh, <laughs> on Logan Brown. Um, Which we gotta we gotta mention before I forget that their other they were also thinking about doing a a lumberjack look, <laughs> and freaking Bennington actually bought like enough for everyone yeah. to wear like flannel shirts or whatever it was. <laughs> to look like lumberjacks and they decided to go with this last minute so he really does have like 200 or like 200 it's like large and extra large lumberjack shirts uh it was gonna be a hit but (laughs) (laughs) oh man if people don't realize that they have to have memorized all of i think you should leave to watch this podcast at this point you know sorry you imagine listening to all these and at some point deciding you want to go watch that show that's right watch it and you're like these guys i don't i don't like they were saying it but like i don't really this is not this isn't funny no this is (laughs) not it man that's my biggest fear i'm terrified to recommend that show to anyone um rating you definitely can't uh, you definitely can't watch someone this is just a universal thing you can't watch someone watching something you recommend and waiting for them to smile or laugh and just nothing happens it's just a killer inside you want to die um wallman probably wanted to die with the bare nips and the healthy scratch how are you feeling about these uh these gigs it's sort of all over the place it's like splitting it's like splitting the baby it's hard to get there you know yeah which one's your favorite part the top half (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm a bottom half on him i think oh yeah those Uh, shorts are iconic I, I actually think this is like a, this is like a six for me just because uh-huh. I like those shorts. And I also think like the whole get up just feels very like, it's almost like it doesn't match so much that it like matches. It's its own weird look of just yeah. like random stuff. I'll bump it up to a seven personally, but I think it's, it's hard. It's like a hat on a hat. You know, mm. I think you needed to lose like one part of the ensemble um, for it to really quite pop you know it's just a little too much going on there mm-hmm. um this was the one that it took me forever to figure out who this is tori krug 
um, wearing the Ushanka hat, uh, a splotch of sunscreen on his nose, which is a nice, that's a detail. That's a detail mm-hmm. touch right there. Um, just kind of a blue Navy button up and, and gray shorts and the classic Adidas flippy floppies. Um, I'm going to give him a, I'm personally going to give him a six because of the, of the um, sunscreen touch. That's a, you know, you got to really own that to put that on your face. And I think he, he at least gets credit for that. Right. I was going to say, I give it, I, I'll give it a six because I want to say it's kind of have to. It's kind of safe overall, but like yeah. when he has the hat and he's got the sunscreen splotch, everything else he's wearing seems like something he would wear in the off season. Yeah, at sure. the golf course, perhaps you know. Yeah, not that anyone in hockey calls. Yeah, um, Logan Brown behind him is tall. Uh, it took me a long time to figure out who that was. Too thought it was Charlie Lindgren. Uh, he's got the the kind of um, Hawaiian shirt with all the tropical drinks on it. The gray shorts, like the black flippies, um, hat, glasses. It's very simple. I'm going to give it a five. I probably would give it a little less, but I really like the shirt. I think the shirt is, it's nice that he either had or found that, you know, and in his size. That shirt is his exact style, Ian. Uh, <laughs> He's never well, found a shirt that he would wear. Right, exactly. What's your rating on Brown? I... I give him a seven because I like the shirt so much. Nice. And I think it, I think having the backwards hat, I think he has this face and sort of stubble look that actually he almost sort of has a, a he doesn't look like him at all, but he has a yeah. Phil Kessel-esque vibe where I'm like, if I saw that guy, I'd be like, you're a professional hockey. Like I'd see him <laughs> wearing this or like the backwards cap and just maybe it's the hair and the stubble and all that stuff. But I'm yeah. like, you do play professional sports. I'm like, interesting. You just don't have like, the same sort of look as everybody else and i like that that what he wore kind of fit that just kind of different look for sure for sure um let's move on to the three absolute all-stars of the ensemble well two of them are absolute all-stars david prawn um white t-shirt red shorts uh the sunglasses the beach towel he's confident i'll give him that but the ensemble is actually pretty blase probably go about a, a five on that as well yeah, I agree. You go you like lower you can. No, I give think them it's a right. two. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's middle of the pack, which means some of these are going to be even lower. Oh, some of these are going to get torch, but not Pavel Buchnevich, baby. Tell me what you think about his um, psychedelic blue and pink and white shorts, his uh, floral kind of. I can't even tell what the pattern on there is because it's so complicated. Um, gray kind of foliage on a on a pink salmon-y kind of shirt um the flip-flops the sunglasses and the absolute just i'm owning this i'm owning this look right now pose how do you feel about pavel i i give him a nine out of ten i think he's he's just the one step just the one step behind bennington on the look and everything but yeah i love i love the fluorescent colors i really love those pants gotta give me those those pants those pants are sweet um wear those for sure and like you said, I think he's owning it. He's definitely, yeah. he doesn't, he has a little more personality to him than I thought he would have. Uh, even in interviews, he kind of always yeah. has kind of like a sly smirk and stuff like that. Like a very, uh, a very interesting fellow. Yeah. He got a little Russian, but with a little twist, you know, kind of a, a <laughs> screwdriver, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, let's uh, skip ahead to Justin Falk on the side and we'll cut circle back to, oh, captain, our captain, watermelon shorts. Um, are those like 
cats on there. There's something else on there. I can't really figure out what those are. Um, the white shirt halfway open, the backpack, which is apparently his uh, fixture, the backwards hat, the sunglasses, the best, I'm going to say it, the best facial hair in the NHL or up there. Just he can do whatever he wants with that mane and look good. You know, mm-hmm. not a lot of guys can say that. You can't, most guys can't own the goatee and the full beard and the mustache you know, and uh, Justin can, and he does it at will. And it seems to grow pretty quick so that he can just kind of have it whenever he wants to. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to give him points for that. I'm going to, I'm going to call this a seven personally. Yeah. I, I like, I like everything about this thing. It fits all well. I like the couple buttons open. I give this an eight. Nice. Good call. Let's go on to our captain. Then um, I do have Falk in there twice. So deleting the second one, um, <laughs> Ryan O'Reilly, uh, lemon, lemon, uh, Hawaiian shirt open all the way down to the final button, white shorts, uh, the Chaco sandals, um, which is, mm, <clears throat> that might be a demerit for me. I got to think through that. And the sunglasses, you give your grade first. Uh, uh, I like the shirt, I like the pineapple shirt. Um, but I, I think I give this overall like a, like a six. I think it looks really good. I think it fits him like other than just kind of uh kind of fun design the shirt it just kind of feels like a a regular sort of look i guess more yeah i'm I'm gonna bump it up to an eight because i think he really owns the shirt um but i agree that i think it's kind of safe although you know maybe something he wears in the off season um hard to hard to tell probably a little more out there than ryan o'reilly wears around like kmart you know, you know how Ryan O'Reilly shops at Kmart all oh, the yeah. time. Good God. <laughs> um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's all right. Scotty Perunovich is short and he's kind of hard to see in this picture. A patterned shirt, the kind of blue dreamy shorts and looks like Chaco's on him as well. The sunglasses, too. What's your Scotty P rating? Uh, I give this one I give this one a five just because I think it's very... Uh, you know, I actually, I, I like those shorts too. I give this one a six. Okay. I kind of like the lighter look of the two things together. It's a little more plain, but I like, I like the colors. I'll stick with your five, but I, you know, it might, it might deserve the six. I don't know. I'll think about that. Um, this is, I believe Nico Mikola cause he's tall and he looks weird. Um, the, <laughs> the weird sandals with socks. I've never seen that style before as it must be something finished, something weird. Um, the gray shirt, black shorts, backward cap looks like he has a coat too, which is some horse crap. Um, you know, I'm going to give it a four. I'm going to, I'm just going to say just not, not doing a lot for me. Yeah. I would say I give, I give this a three. This looks, this looks normal. This looks very normal. I mean, other than yeah. you being wearing this in the winter. Yeah, exactly. You didn't have a lot of flair to that one. Cause Nico Mikola has no flair. That's the one word he doesn't know in English is flair. Um, Ivan Barbashev sneaking out behind Jordan Bennington white, linen shirt with the blue kind of island patterns blue shorts um you know kind of the royal blue coloring on those nice leather flippies uh the sunglasses aviators uh you know it's not it's not too exotic but i think he's owning it i'm gonna say a seven i'm gonna say the colors match well he wears it well i'm gonna say a seven uh i'm gonna give this you can bury it if you want to i won't be no i give it I give it a six for the for the color of the pants for like the royal blue color. Yeah, I like that. Fair. I like the shirt too. Shirt's a little more plain, but I like I like those pants. 
Yeah. Uh, Tarasenko, my, my boy, kind of a mess. Looks like a Russian mobster, um, which I guess fits. But um, if you were like, if you were in the witness protection, avoiding the Russian mob in Miami, this is what they'd show up looking like. Uh, it's kind of a, it almost just looks like a sweat stained blue shirt. I'm sure it's not that. Um, but it looks kind of like that. And the kind of slightly darker blue shorts, the sunglasses, granted, this isn't the best angle on the whole ensemble. Uh, the flip-flops are kind of bluish too. So, you know, credit for that, but I'm going to say a three for our boy Vova. Great in the game, love him to death, not his best fit. Yeah. I like the colors, but they are a little too same-ish for me. And the shirt doesn't fit overly great. Yeah, I know, he's, I know he's a thick boy though. So, um, he he's a healthy boy. Give us a, uh, I give us a four. I think it's like close to something that's all right, but it's it's not quite there. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Clemmy Jim, um, a little hard to tell. Got the fedora. He's rocking the stanzo. Mikola's <laughs> definitely rocking the stanzo. Oh, Mikola. Um, yeah. <laughs> We're going to talk about him. Um, Clem has the your time, kind of most typical of these Hawaiian shirts, blue and with red, um, you know, hibiscus or something similar. Pink shorts, which I'll give him credit for that, finds the matching shorts. Uh, the, the hat, unnecessary here, I'd say. Um, you know, he could have he had that like Buchnevich confidence vibe, and I feel like he's hiding his face a little bit. Yeah, is that even a fedora? Is that a fedora? Is that it looks a little more like a bucket hat? Yeah, I kinda. think it's a bucket hat. I'm gonna I'm 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 give our boy Clem a six. I, I think he tried, but I think he didn't quite get there, you know? I, I give this a four, like the yeah, Tarasenko one. Fair. It's it's close, but there's not there's too much there. wrong here. So right. this this Huso <laughs> this Huso get up. Yeah, sorry, I said Mika a minute ago. Oh yeah, I, yeah. Go ahead. I, this he looks like an old man. <laughs> yeah, this but, is I, but I <laughs> but love, it's awesome. <laughs> I love that he looks like an old man. It's yeah. like a whole get up. Like He's if they just put some wrinkles it. on him, like this is what an old guy would be like. This is my beachwear. <laughs> it's one of my old shirts. <laughs> it's wonderful and awful at the same time. It is a, a Stanzo brand straw fedora. Uh, the the kind of aviators uh, just a white shirt with gray stripes a total bowling alley shirt 100 percent um the just khaki shorts and like loafers like penny loafers to round out what people in finland wear maybe it could be it's so bad it it circles back around to good i think um what is your rating on on nico i agree with you it's so it's just so bad that it goes back to being good and also like it all fits too like yeah or like it's a it all fits that theme. I don't know if that's what he was going for. Yeah. <laughs> that old yeah. man was his theme. I give this a, I give this a seven. Yeah, I'll stay. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll say eight. I'll give it an eight. I'll bump it up one more. Um, but yeah, it's pretty solid. And then Robert Thomas, mm, not your best, my friend. No. Uh, hard to see the whole thing. Although I think the, I think the shorts match, match the match the shirt, which I don't think makes this any better um yeah, bucket right. hat for sure with the string um just a, a garishly patterned shirt i mean he's going he's going for over the top but the other guys who did over the top did like classy over the top or like or like Huso, where it's like at least it's a theme and he's mm. just like i i want a bunch of shit on me you know <laughs> he kind of uh, just grabbed like one ugly shirt yeah i'm gonna give i'm gonna give i'm gonna give our boy a two i'm afraid <clears throat> yeah i mean 
it's not it's not it's not necessarily plain but it but it is like boring yeah it's, yeah you know it's, i think i think a two is warranted it's it's like those jersey jerseys you know it's it's safe and yet it's still somehow really bad mm-hmm. um he, he didn't take a big risk and he still just swung and missed uh tyler bozak I'm going to go a little easier on Tyler because I think the fit works. It's not, it's not very out there. It's just kind of a, a light pink shirt and the Robin's egg blue shorts, the sunwet glasses and the backwards white cap, but it's a good use of contrasting colors. It fits him well. I'm going to say a five. I think it could be lower if you wanted to go lower based on like, you're not doing anything out there at all. I could totally understand that, but I think it, it looks good enough on him that it's like, okay, you made it, you made it work. You owned it sort of a situation. I think it does fit him really well. I think I, was he have like blue shorts? I guess maybe that saves a little bit and give me yeah. a five, to give it a five. If they were say more like, um, who's shorts or something where there's some variant of oh, tan, yeah. I'd be, be like, hard. this is you just on your off day, bro. Yeah. Um, so, but even I like the color of the shorts, but I'm also kind of like, yeah, I give him a four because I'm like, just give me, just give me some sort of flair. I think Bozak though, he's also like the actual old man of the team. So the fact that he went like, he went like total dad outfit is like, okay with me, you know, that's true. Total dad. So sort of works for him, but uh, that's it. That's everybody. That's the whole team, man. It was a fun winter classic. I was, I was looking forward to it. I was anxious. Um, I'm glad they got it in. You know, we had to wait a year. The jerseys, sick got to make those mm-hmm. our primary oh, those are so good what um, do you think of the minnesota jerseys in action i didn't think know, they were as bad the elbow patches are still on the elbow patches I think, still suck. I think they looked better on the ice for sure there's still too much going on there's still too much of that like the seven stripes represent the seven captains of the minnesota north stars kind of crap going on but i think they looked okay you know not one I'd probably want to own and like wear around public, but they were less of an eyesore just watching mm-hmm. the game than I thought. I think probably the nighttime helped that a little bit too. Maybe that's right. kind of crazy, but I think they just kind of kind of flowed with the you know Christmassy and everything. Uh, but yeah, not their best, not their worst, probably better. I you know what I'll say it better than any of their generic ass normal jerseys. In a way. So <laughs> I know it's kind of like man, if you slap the wild logo on here, maybe. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, I was like, maybe that replace would work. the state with the wild, probably get rid of like two or three of the stripes. Oh, yeah. You Even know? to get just rid of that top stripe that was like above yeah. the logo, I'm oh, like, yeah, that, that alone, I'm like, oh, you're looking better. Yeah, for this sure. Was, this was a mistake. So, anything else you want to talk about in the wild, wild, wide world of hockey before we sign off and I go immediately to sleep? Um, oh, yeah, you're, it's, you're, you're in the future, you're in the next day. I know, I know. Um, no, I think it's. I'm glad to see that hockey is kind of back. We only had. Did we even like have a game to talk about last time? I think we did. We had like one game. I think the Edmonton game. Yeah, that was it. That's right. I'm glad that we're starting to roll back into having more games. Lord knows if any of them will get postponed or whatever in the future, though. But still, it's nice to have them back because I'm. This team looks like it's rolling. Looks like it's doing some good stuff here. I want to have a few more games under our belt before we can make you know sweep more sweeping judgments. I'm hearing a lot of rumors, not directly to me. You know, I'm not, I'm not a rumor mill guy. You're but, not uh, smart insider man. Yeah, I'm not smart insider <laughs> man. 
Um, but you see a lot of people talking about Blues possibly going out and, you know, needing to secure some screwed defensemen and maybe Doug Armstrong is actually willing to do that. Um, I think in some future podcasts, I'd like to go over that, see who's out there other than, you know, chicken run um, yeah. to see, if, run. see what the possibilities are. Yeah. Yeah. I think that'll be exciting. It's that time of year. Apparently the trade deadline doesn't get pushed back right now, even if the season gets messed up. So that'll be interesting. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, they still owe us the trade deadline. Even if the season gets messed yes, up, right. they, they still, still got to give us that trade. Still got to give it to us. Uh, <laughs> I think we've crammed as many. I think you should leave references into one podcast as we possibly can. Um, I've got to go back and record the intro, though, so maybe I'll cram one more in there. But, um, yeah, it was fun. It, this was a fun week of hockey. Even though the Penguins game sucked, it was still it, – it had that playoff feel, you know? <laughs> it really had, <laughs> I mean, that, yeah, was... had that big consequential game feel. Now we just have to go back out. Who's our next game against, did you say? Uh, the cap rolls tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. That'll be a fun one too, but I'd like us to win it and get back going on the right foot. And then we'll go from there and see what we come up with. But hmm. um, I'm excited. I feel really good about the blues right now. They feel like they got a lot of vibes around them and I, and I like that. So um, thank everyone for putting up with my faltering, wavering voice, which has made a, a strong recovery in the late half of this podcast, but um, we will be back next week i'm sure to talk about even more boys action until then adios from my beachfront hotel see ya